Hello and welcome to another episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. My name is Julian Carl, CEO and co-founder of Synergen Group and really happy to share with you another content episode today. And look, today's episode is really driven by the fact that one of the things which we're noticing in business and with our clients is that this idea of resilience in what can we do to make sure that as leaders we're being resilient, but are there any tips and tricks we can also do and follow to try to make resilience a part of how our team functions. And so one of the things we've recently been asked to do was put together a small training package and on resilience for one of our clients, and I thought that would make a great episode for the podcast. So once again, would love to hear what you think. Feel free to leave us a review or, or shoot me through an email at julian at syngengroup.com.au and hope you really enjoy this episode. I've tried to jam in as much as I can in a, in a short period of time. So happy listening. Welcome to the Synergen Leadership Podcast with Julian Carl. Julian speaks with leaders from around Australia to bring you their leadership story and share their insights about being a leader. To further help you build your leadership capability, Julian shares his own insights about leadership and the tools and techniques he uses as a leader. Hello and welcome to another content episode of the Synergen Leadership Podcast. And look, I'm really happy about this one in particular because I think it really touches in on something which more and more organisations are really starting to identify in their business and, and, that, and that's this idea of resilience. So we were recently asked to develop a short resilience training piece for one of our clients and I thought it would be a really great opportunity to take what we uh, put together and then turn that into a podcast because it is something which I think all leaders need to be aware of for two perspectives. The first is their own level of resilience in that how do they handle uh, stress and pressure and everything else, but also just keeping tabs on the people that are in their teams and you know, just monitoring how they're going in terms of their resilience because obviously if a leader's feeling pressure, quite often they're going to put that pressure down and it transfers down to the people that report to them. So in today's environment in business, it's becoming more and more apparent that organisations have less resources, but they're expected to get more stuff done. So I think it's a really relevant topic for now. So I wanted to start off by just talking about this idea of resilience and stress. And this is really before we get into the core part, which is the, the bit on resilience. We need to understand why we need it. And it's really to deal with, with stress. And I suppose the most commonly accepted definition of stress is that it demands exceed the personal and social resources the individual is able to mobilise. And that's basically when we feel overwhelmed, when we feel as though we don't have enough resources at our disposal to deal with whatever the situation is. And the interesting thing about that is it's going to be different from person to person. So how people respond to stress is very differently, even if they might be under the exact same stress in a business context. So there's obviously been a lot of time and money spent on stress management, but what it really hasn't done is give people the tools to, to deal with it when it comes out. And stress tends to be episodic in that it tends to come about under a very specific situation. Uh, it could be uh, at a certain time. So one of the things that we know in business is that uh, whenever it comes to end of financial year or end of month, 
generally the finance teams in any business tend to have a little bit more of a sense of overwhelm because they have to get all their tax obligations met, all their payroll group certificates, you name it, they need to do all those things. So it's just a little example about how stress can uh, pop up at different points in time. And generally what often happens is that people move from one stressful episode to the next without the tools to really reduce the cumulative effect of these. And then that stress builds and builds and builds. And you know we know what can happen when people uh, feel that level of stress. They stop performing at their peak. They potentially take time off work. Uh, the list goes on. And so what we can do is really start to change our mindset from reactionary to preventative so that we can we know that we're doing things proactively to deal with these stressful times when they arise. And, and that's really what I wanted to give to you today was a, a series of tools and ideas which you can go away with and uh, really start to put into practice. So let's start with this idea about what is resilience. Well, if you go to the online Oxford English Dictionary, resilience is the capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness and the ability of a substance or object to spring back into shape, elasticity. So essentially what it means is that resilience is a person's capacity to respond to pressure and the demands of daily life. So in short, resilience affects our ability to bounce back, especially when things don't go as planned. So the resilient person is able to do a, a few key things. The first thing is they're able to adjust to adversity. So when things are not going their way, how do they deal with it? They're also able to maintain their equilibrium. So again, when they're, they're, they're going the way they're going and things don't quite work out, how do they maintain that level of balance? They hold on to a sense of control over their environment. So they do very specific things to make sure they are in control of their environment. They've got the ability to move forward in a positive manner. So what this one tells me is that the, the, the resilient people aren't always hanging on to what has happened and they, they're able to put it, the situation into context and they're able to move forward. The resilient person also has the ability to acknowledge the situation. That is, you know, identify the situation as, you know, this is stressful time for me right now uh, and I know why it's a stressful time for me right now. The resilient person is also able to learn from mistakes so they tend to, they may tend to try different things, but they're also very, very willing to learn from those mistakes. So the good thing about that is that I continue to make the same mistake over and over again. And one of the, probably the most important things I think the resilient person can do is they don't dwell on their failures. So I think that if you're honest with yourself as a leader, and it doesn't matter how long you've been in the leadership role, we've all got events or way we've handled situations which we don't think we've done as well as we could have and we've all got these failures. They are all great learning opportunities but I also think they're an opportunity for us to move forward and I don't think there's any value in dwelling on that because they can they can do you damage when you continue to go over and over and over something in, in your own mind. So the resilient people don't dwell on failures. And resilience isn't really a passive quality, it's much more an active process. Because resilient people not only survive and bounce back after a setback, they also come back stronger and wiser. And this plays out because people who are highly resilient, they're always excellent at finding the silver lining in any situation. And they excel in finding a lesson from each negative experience 
and apply it in in how they go about their their business in the future. And I think what resilience does is it enables us to deal better with the workplace demands. And as I mentioned earlier, I think the demands on leaders and people in employment is getting more and more and more. We're expected to do more with less resources. So I think this, this idea of dealing with workplace demands is important. And I think change is impacting this in, in a way that people aren't always thinking about because business is changing, uh, the world is changing. Not everyone's comfortable with that. And so when you, when you think about how that plays out from a resilience point of view, we really want to start to think about how can we support our people through change and how can we make sure that they've got the resilience tools to deal with it if they are someone who doesn't feel comfortable coping with change. And I think resilient people do more of the things that help maintain that ability to, to click and, and change and move and shake and do all of those things in a very agile way. So there are you know, a few people out there that are probably born with natural ability for resilience. They're, they're the types of people that seem to just be able to adjust to any situation, whatever's thrown at them, and they seem to do it with good grace, and they seem to be able to do it very easily without even thinking about it. But for a lot of us, that's not the case. And so the good thing is that resilience can be learned, that there's some habits that you can follow that are going to increase your ability to perform under pressure, and perhaps more importantly, live better despite circumstances that are, that are very trying. And so according to one of the leading psychologists in, in this field of resilience, Susan Cabasa, there's essentially there are three elements that are essential to resilience. The first is challenge. Resilient people view a difficulty as a challenge, not as a paralyzing event. They tend to look at their failures and mistakes as lessons to be learned from, and importantly, as opportunities for growth. And they don't view them as a negative reflection on themselves or their own level of self-worth. The second element that's essential to resilience is this idea of commitment. So resilient people are committed to their lives and their goals and they have a compelling reason to get out of bed in the morning. I think this is important to think about as a leader in terms of your purpose as a leader. Commitment isn't just about their work, it's their commitment to their relationships, their friendships, the things they care about, and anything that's important to them. And the third element that's essential to resilience is this idea of personal control. Resilient people spend their time and energy focusing on situations and events that they have control over. They put their efforts where they can have the most impact, where they feel empowered, and where they feel confident. And they don't spend time worrying about uncontrollable events that can often feel that can make them feel lost, helpless, and powerless to take action. So essentially, it's about how we view adversity and stress, and that was us to move forward in terms of how we can succeed. And this is one of the most important re reasons that we need to have a resilient mindset. And look, it, it, it's going to happen to all of us. We're going to fail from time to time. It's just an inevitable part of being a leader that sometimes we're going to make mistakes. And, you know, in the worst case scenario, you're going to fall flat on your face. But what we should do is have the courage to go after our dreams despite the very real risk that will fail in some way or another. So when I talk about dreams, I, I, I mean your leadership dreams, obviously, for the, the relevance of the podcast, but I also mean more than that. What do you really want to achieve? Because I think this podcast 
has real crossover between what you do as, as a leader and how you go about your personal life. So I think overall resilience really can give you the power to overcome setbacks so you can live the life that you've always wanted to. So I want to talk to you for a minute about, you know, why do we need resilience? And I, and I think it's, it's, it's a pretty easy one, but it's simply a fact of life that at some point in your career, you know, you're going to have to accept it you failed in something and whether it be a recruitment decision or whether it be that you've managed the situation failure comes up I mean if I think about uh, and I'll just stick with the recruitment theme for a minute I've recruited a lot of different people during my time as leaders and can comfortably say that some of those decisions weren't the best decisions that I've ever made so we all have to accept failure and I think this is where resilience can help it can help you recognize what contributed to the failure and any areas that you can work on so that you can improve and come up with a plan for that improvement. Because resilience helps you be ready to tackle the next challenge. And sometimes if you put the work in, you'll have a whole new set of tools to deal with that challenge. Because what often happens is when we think about resilience, it's almost always in the context of adversity or failure. However, there are times when a positive change may also have some negative aspects that must be understood. For example, a new position or promotion can also require just as much resilience as dealing with a disappointing setback. And I mean, it's an interesting distinction to make because if you think about what happens to you when you accept a new role, you can tend to feel quite overwhelmed. You can tend to realize, oh, I don't know as much as I thought I knew. You've got to understand the political dynamics of wherever it is uh, that you're working. You may need to have some new level of technical skill. So in a positive sense, uh, uh, having a real strong uh, ability to be resilient, I think is going to also impact your ability to how you handle those positive pressures like that. And I think whether you expect a positive or negative change, it's always good to develop your resilience. It's always good to think about what can you do so that when you are going to be confronted with them, and you will be, how are you going to deal with them? And because when you don't feel resilient, you might not feel as motivated your performance, your engagement in your work, your job satisfaction, your overall well-being may not be where they need to be. So again, there's probably a whole range of compelling reasons why you need resilience. And I think probably the one that resonates the most with me is that how's it impacting your family? So if you're going home stressed and overwhelmed all the time, how's it impacting your family? And if that's not the case, how's it impacting your friends? So if nothing else, there's a whole range of personal reasons why we should be focused on this idea of resilience. So as always, I wanted to give you some, some tips and ideas in terms of how you can build your resilience. And look, look, I think one of the most important things you can do is this idea of looking after yourself. And this is that old saying, when you take care of your mind and the body, you're better able to cope with whatever challenge is put in front of you. So the way we see people doing this is, is quite different. Some people tend to you know, do their exercise through a gym membership or something like that. You know, some people tend to um, do meditation and things like that. Whatever you tend to do, look after yourself physically and mentally, and I think you're going to be starting off from the right place. I think you can also think about practicing thought awareness. So quite often this is about mindfulness and look in a previous episode I spoke to Michael Bunting who's the author of The Mindful Leader and I think if you go back to that episode 
Michael shares a whole range of things about how we can practice thought awareness. And I think that when you're more in touch with what you're thinking, I think you're in a better state to deal with whatever you need to deal with. Another thing you can do to build your resilience is this idea of learning from your mistakes and failures. I know that some people are very, very good at journaling in terms of they and reflection in that they, at the end of each day, they think about what they do well and, and what did they not do so well. So being able to really think about what your mistakes and failures are can be, can be really useful. I also think that if you think about this idea of choosing your response, and I think this really comes about when there's a, there's a situation which is in front of you, and quite often as humans, we all have a natural reaction to that. I'm going to ask you to consider, instead of having your natural reaction, think about how could you respond to that? Because remember, a lot of people will say that we're in control of, of how we deal with things and how we feel about things. So if you can choose your response instead of reacting to the situation, I think you'll be in a much better place. Another thing that you can do to build your resilience is this idea of maintaining perspective. And quite often that comes about because in a particular situation, uh, things might be seen as overwhelming or highly stressful or there's a huge amount of pressure on you. If you can just bring it back and say, well, you know, what, what can happen here? And I think that, you know, that, that will just help you to maintain your perspective of whatever the situation is. Always set goals. And we always talk about smart goals. They're an oldie but a goodie. And, you know, effective personal goals. So, so what's what personal goals are you achieving? What personal goals are you striving for? And they, they just help you stay focused on what you need to stay focused on. Another thing you can do to build your resilience is this idea of building your self-confidence. And this, this is a challenging one because a lot of people say, Mick Julian, how, how do I go about doing that? How do I build my self-confidence? And I think, you know, I don't know if there is one, one simple answer, but it's something that you more than ever, you probably need to commit to. And that is understanding what you're good at. I think it's always a good place to start. And I know that we have this, we have this thing in Australia called tall poppy syndrome where we're not very good at saying what we're good at for fear of people trying to take us down. But I think, you know, that's where self-confidence starts, knowing that you're good at something and whether that something is work-related or whether that something is personal-related, doesn't matter. But it's just that internal knowledge that you are good at something. And I'm a big believer that we're all fantastic and awesome at something. I think it's also important to develop strong relationships with your colleagues as a way of building resilience because our relationships are crucial to, to how we go about things. We all know what it's like when you have a relationship in the workplace which isn't going the way you want it to go and the stress that that can bring in a workplace environment. I mean, one of the most commonly thrown statistics around is that the number one reason people leave a job is because of their manager. And so we know that if that's the case, then obviously the relationship with the manager isn't where it needs to be. So I'm really going to encourage you to think about what's the quality of your relationships. And if you really want to delve a little bit deeper into that, I did record a, a two-part content episodes about the nine relationship groups, which you know, go back and, and have a listen to that one. Resilient people are very focused on being able to be flexible. Things are changing and things are changing quicker and quicker and quicker and faster and faster and faster. And it's really about how we're going to deal with that. 
how are we going to make sure that we have that ability to deal with a rapid change in technology, a rapid change in in the way things are done, in the way people are perceived, in the way relationships evolve. So that ability to be agile, I think a lot of people are using that term right now, and that's really about just being flexible. So one of the things you can do to uh, continue to build your resilience is avoid making drama out of a crisis. So whenever the crisis happens, the, the worst thing we can do is, is fan the flames by making something more of a drama than it needs to be. So just take that step back, choose how you're going to respond, and deal with what you need to deal with. Another way you can build your resilience is this idea of celebrating your success. And again, it's not something that we do very often. We don't necessarily sit back and say, yes, I, was, I, I won that. I was, that was a success. I achieved what I wanted to achieve. Too often we're, we're looking at you know, what we didn't achieve. Well, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, I'd like you to think about what you have been successful at. I'd like you to think about what positive action can you take? What positive action can you take every day just to help you build resilience? And that might be you know, a quick little piece of exercise. That might be making a quick phone call to someone and just, just telling them something positive. That might be giving someone some, some feedback. What's the positive action that you can take every day? Another thing we can do to build our resilience is this idea of trying to keep our perspective realistic. So I think if we can place the challenging event in the broader context of, of where it fits in, in, in a work context, well, I think you know, that's going to support the idea that it will, or importantly, will allow you to see it for what it is. Sometimes we see things, and they, the, the drama, and, the, and we tend to blow things out of proportion. So keeping that realistic perspective is important. You can also uh, think about how optimistic are you? Are you one of these individuals, these leaders who goes out and about and is pretty optimistic about everything that they do? Or are you always looking at the negative? You're always waiting for the world to fall down. So I think if you can just think, take a moment and reflect on how optimistic are you, I think it might be worthwhile. You know, this idea of per persuasiveness. Brazilian people don't let setbacks or bad events affect other unrelated areas of their lives. So they don't, they tend to be very good at compartmentalizing. That is saying, well, this part isn't working well, but it's, it's restricted to that. I think Brazilian people also have high levels of empathy in that they, you know, they, they're very highly empathetic and compassionate, but they don't waste too much time worrying what other people think of them. But they're really focused on building healthy relationships. You know, it's quite interesting if I think about, uh, you know, where, where social media is going right now in that you know more and more people are putting content out and we'll just talk about linkedin for a second you know i put all this content out on linkedin videos there'll be a video for this podcast for example and you know if i spend too much time worrying about what do people think of me well then i'd never do anything and i wouldn't put these videos out and and what i found is that most people aren't going out and about trying to bring other people down even though it's a fear that a lot of us have so Having a level of empathy and resilience is, is, is really uh, important, but don't worry too much about well, what other people are thinking. Don't bow to peer pressure. There's no value in it for you. And I think the, the, the final thing that you can do to really help to build your resilience is this idea of the victim mindset. Resilient people never think of themselves as victims. 
they always focus their time and energy on changing the things that, that we have control over and accepting those that we don't. And in your leadership role, what I quite often imagine I, I hear you saying to yourself is that you, you see something you want to change, but you feel that you can't because it's a, a senior manager's decision or, or, or it's a structural issue. So I'm always encouraging the people that come through my programs to focus on their neck of the woods, focus on their little house, as I call it, their house of leadership, and focus on the things that they can do. And if something's bigger than them but happening at a site as opposed to you looking after a team, don't worry about it. Just try to be in control of what you can actually be in control of. So they're just some tips in terms of some of the things you could look at for your personal resilience. But I thought for the podcast, it'd also be important to give you some tips in how you can build your team's resilience. Because one of the things that we're, we're noticing is that the, the mental health, so stress, anxiety, depression, it's becoming more and more prevalent in today's society. More and more people are speaking up about it. More and more people are, are looking for, for some help and assistance with how to manage through that. And so every year, Australian businesses are losing millions of workdays due to these three things, stress, anxiety, and depression. And so I think employers are becoming more and more cognizant of the fact they need to recognize the damage that stress can do in the workplace. And some of the challenges it brings is that we lose productivity because obviously staff aren't all around. It increases workload for other workers who have to cover their colleagues' work and potentially you have a higher staff turnover, and that becomes a challenge in itself. So what a lot of organizations are starting to do is look at how they can ease the stress in the workplace using you know, all sorts of different ideas and, and giving them some tools to develop resilience. So the first thing you can do as a leader is, I suppose, acknowledge, number one, that you are gonna to try to focus on building your team's resilience. There's certain things you can do and certain things you can't. For example, you can't control how they deal with a stressful environment or you can't totally eliminate their stress. But you can identify some of the employees who are vulnerable to burnout and you can think about what can you do to support them. We've done some research and we've come up with some methods which you can implement or think about how you might be able to implement to help your team deal with stress and anxiety. So the first one, is set the example, your well-being impacts the well-being of your team. So in a recent report by Gallup, which surveyed 105 teams over three six-month intervals, found that well-being is contagious. Individuals with thriving well-being were 20% more likely to have thriving team members six months later. So for those of you who've been from my programs, you will have heard me say, I believe it's all your fault. If you're the leader, it's your fault. <laughs> And I think this is just another example, whereas as the leader, if you are setting the standard, if you are setting the example, that has a big impact on your team, a big impact on your team. So a couple of things you can do to try to make your team more resilient in terms of setting the example. First one is exercise or yoga. So what can you do in that sense? And I know that a lot of organizations you know, don't feel as though they're in the, in the situation to do that. But I'm gonna ask you to think about, well, what's stopping you and, and could you do it? Another thing you can do is try to get people to take a few breaks after every 90 minutes of work. And I don't mean a break where they just go around and sit, but I mean just stand up, stretch, 
do those things, you know, go and go and talk to someone in the office briefly, whatever it might be, because we know that we're more productive in shorter chunks of time. Another initiative which I think a lot of organisations are starting to, to, to look at is this idea of walking meetings, where instead of all sitting around a boardroom table, you're actually having a meeting where you're walking to wherever it is you're walking to. So not only is a little bit of exercise thrown in there, but it certainly keeps the meeting sharp and to the point. Another thing a lot of organisations are doing is this idea of flexible work hours. For example, some people will often say they're a morning person or they're a night person. And so the standard nine to five day, and if you're in an industrial business, it's probably not even a nine to five, it might be a six to two, it might be afternoon, might be night shift, could be anything. Uh, is there a way where you can have flexible workouts which better support the people in your teams? Just a question. The second thing you can do to get started on building your team's resilience is this idea of getting rid of the always-on work culture. So what we found is that most employees find it really hard to switch off after work. In fact, one survey researched 1,200 full-time employees found that 50% indicated they typically work more than 40 hours a week and nearly 40% said they work at least 50. These numbers are, are becoming commonplace now, you know, especially in, in the leadership circles. People are working more and more hours. And so that what we find is that overwork and then the stress that comes with that can lead to your health problems such as impaired sleep, depression, diabetes, impaired memory, heart disease, the list goes on. So if you're a leader and you're staying up to all hours, emailing your employees, reviewing their work, setting up meetings, and even if your intentions are great, you may actually be pressuring your team because they feel they have to respond to your emails immediately or action feedback on your reviews. So it is one of those things just to be conscious of how your actions can be perceived. Two little things you can do to minimize the stress of after hours work communication because with smartphones now, the expectation is that we've all read our emails and we all know what's going on. You can enforce a team rule rule that no emails are allowed to be sent after five if that works or that email notifications on mobiles be switched off. Now I know that a lot of people are probably listening to this going, yeah, right, can't really do that. Just think about it. What could you do? And if you can't do that, what else could you do? We all need to be comfortable in terms of how much work we do. So we often hear this idea of work-life balance. I don't believe work-life balance exists. I believe work-life harmony exists. And what that means is that you need to feel comfortable with how much time you're spending at work. And if you're someone that's spending a lot of time doing work and you're loving it, that's great. The counter side to that is just make sure that you're looking after yourself mentally and physically and that way you'll be more resilient. And look, there's a third thing you can do to you know, help build your team's resilience, and that is this idea of being a leader who is empathetic and compassionate. And this all comes down to this idea of kindness. And so what, what the University of New South Wales found, they surveyed 5,600 people across 77 organisations and found the single greatest influence on profitability and productivity within an organisation is the ability of leaders to spend more time and effort developing and recognizing their people, welcoming feedback, including criticism, and fostering cooperation among staff. That's a massive, massive impact on profitability and productivity if we get that right. So again, what are you doing as a leader to impact profitability and productivity? 
Are you delegating, communicating, interacting with your team in a way that builds them up and shows that you're willing to listen and support them? Are you going out and about encouraging a compassion culture with your team? So if a team member suddenly has to drop something to attend a family emergency, they shouldn't feel overwhelmed by the stress of all the work that's going to build up in their absence. Rather, they have a leader in a team who rallies behind him and we take on the projects to help out in any way possible. If your team feels empowered to be open and vulnerable with you when life gets tough, you'll be much better equipped to support them and help them deal with their stress. So that was some uh, ideas in terms of how you model the way. And I just want to give you, just finish this uh, podcast up with some quick tips for leading team resilience. So what we know is that highly resilient employees excel in these particular areas. Number one, they're very good in developing high quality connections with people. Number two, they're very, very good at managing their stress and avoiding burnout. Number three, they're very good at presenting themselves in an authentic manner. Number four, they're very good at developing the passion and perseverance to pursue long-term goals. Number five, they're very good at staying inspired and finding meaning in their work. Number six, they're very good at staying flexible and mentally tough. Number seven, and the final one, is they're actively going about thinking about how can they manage change and any setback which comes their way. Now imagine if you're a leader, I'm pretty sure that you'd agree that if every single person in your team had those seven characteristics, that's going to be a pretty good employee. They're the sort of people that make leadership more enjoyable, more simple. And employees who are high in these traits are often the superstars. They're the ones that obviously stand above the rest. And so with those seven in mind, as a resilient leader, just like you to think about these seven things that, that you can follow, you can do these seven actions. Number one, are you communicating powerfully? That is, are you effective in communicating your intentions to others and ensuring that your team leave the conversation with an understanding of your expectations? Number two, are you willing to be coached as a leader? Are you willing to have someone say to you what needs to be said? In other words, you open a feedback and you use it to enhance your effectiveness and improve your skills and abilities. Number three, I'd like you to think about how can you go about building positive and trusting relationships? You know, building a real connection with people. Number four, I'd like you to think about are you sort of a leader who takes bold risks? Someone who tries new ideas and you, you try to get things done. Number five, I'd like you to think about you sort of leader that develops others, that you, you should be interested in your development, but also the people that report to you and the people that report to them. Number six, are you, do you consider yourself a champion of change, someone that's always willing to change when necessary and you're willing to provide the leadership that your team needs? And number seven, be decisive. Decision-making is a difficult sometimes, but it's a vital part of organizational success, so don't be afraid to make decisions. Too many times I hear in my programs that people say, oh, worse than a bad decision is no decision at all. So I'm going to encourage you, don't be one of those leaders that's afraid to make decisions. So there's a little, uh, a little episode all about resilience, and once again, I'm going to put it out there that if you'd like some of the materials that we've created for that, 
uh, shoot me through an email at julian at synergygroup.com.au. Happy to share that with you. Once again, would love to hear any feedback you've got. And also, as we start to draw close to the end of season one, I've got a couple of content episodes scheduled and I'm going to throw it out there. If there's a particular topic you'd like me to uh, record a podcast in, please uh, let me know and I'll see what I can do. So until next time, hope you really enjoyed this episode. Well, that wraps up another episode of the Synergy Leadership Podcast. I trust you found it interesting. A couple of things. If you could go online and leave a review of the podcast, that would be great. Really help us in uh, spreading awareness of the podcast. Happy for you to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And if you want to shoot me through an email, julian at synergygroup.com.au. See you next time.